Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Have you gotten Ramo yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, mic check time. Low level of confidence in the technical quality of this episode time. What do I mean by that? I'll explain it a second time, but what matters is that football coaches are talking time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a postcard perfect, just a gorgeous Monday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, right here at the studio, just about two miles or so from the University of Tennessee campus, where just a couple hours ago we spoke with Everyone on Tennessee's new football defensive staff. I guess the full-time staff. Maybe not uh, not like quality control, grad guys, stuff like that. We spoke with the full-time assistant coaches, and we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about that in today's episode of the podcast. If you're wondering quickly why we're not talking about basketball, Tennessee had a nice win on Sunday. Uh, maybe not a great performance, but a good enough performance, certainly to overcome a depleted Florida team and book that uh, – that fourth and final double bye for the NCAA or SEC tournament, I should say. We're going to discuss that later in the week. We normally do Mondays and Thursdays and then as breaking news happens. But this week, we're probably going to change it up a little bit. Probably going to go to probably Monday and Wednesday, I'm thinking. Uh, that way, we'll have a little bit more time before Tennessee starts the tournament on Friday at 2.30 Eastern or so for you all to talk about it. Don't want to release that on Thursday and then have, you know, then Tennessee gets bounced in the first day and then you're going, why the, why the hell do we have this thing up for 12 hours? It didn't matter. So we're probably going to release something on Wednesday then. Grant Ramey will be there uh, in Nashville. We'll have plenty to discuss. Also, quick note, Tennessee baseball had a sweep over the weekend over Georgia State. Uh, those guys look pretty good. The the Vols are probably going to move on up in the polls. Uh, had a 4-0 week. Beat a pretty good Georgia State team. Pretty good Georgia State team that already has three wins over top 15 teams, including a win over Vanderbilt. And Tennessee swept the Panthers over the weekend, winning 7 to nothing on Saturday. Big weekend for uh, Jake Rucker, hashtag Team Rucker. Uh, he did a good job at the plate. Hit about 500. Had a uh, career-high 4 RBI on, sun- on Sunday. So, Plenty to discuss about those things. We'll get to those a little bit later in the week, but we're going to be focusing on football for this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, or Ep edition, I should say. So to do that, we're going to bring in Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location, Ryan Callahan from his home daycare center. Fellas, what's up? How much, man? Do we have everybody here? <laughs> I think yeah, we I'm do. here. I think we do. Okay. Uh, and everybody hear us? Yeah, yeah let's I'm, hope so. I'm hoping they can because I am, you know, the, the confidence level that I have on the volume quality of this uh, epidition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, pretty low uh, because we have spent the better part of 40 minutes trying to figure out why we sound like we are in three different 
like universes. Uh, normally, we, we get that thing synced up in about five minutes and we're good to go. It has been not that today. So uh, I'm going to try to get everything cleaned up on this end. I hope everything turns out. But, but if, the, if the audio quality is a tiny bit off in this one, uh, that is the reason. We just have had a hard time technically, for whatever reason, uh, getting these to about the same level. But, fellas, uh, we did speak quickly today with uh, Tennessee football coach, head football coach Josh Heupel, and all of his defensive assistants. Plenty of things to discuss there. Obviously, everyone wants to talk about whether uh, a new outside linebackers coach and special teams coach Mike Eckler got in a, in a fight with Jeremy Pruitt back in the day at Georgia, but uh, Eckler did not. He, he grinned, but he did not, uh, did not confirm or deny that. So we'll get down to the actual news. I guess I'll start with you first, Pat. What were your impressions just overall of what you heard today? Well, um, you know, I, I think this is an interesting collection of coaches. Um, and, and obviously uh, th- there are connections with this staff. Um, and a lot of people, I would say, have questions about how, you know, what is Tim Banks going to look like um, in, in terms of how he's going to coach this defense, what scheme is it going to be, all those kind of things. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good staff. You know, you get Rodney Garner, who, you know, has potential to be a, a, a huge hire, uh, given his ability to recruit in the past. Um, and, and getting him, I think they hired him even before they had a defensive coordinator. So that, that kind of tells you what they were going for there. So, um, you know, to get him, Willie Martinez is somebody that knows Josh Heupel, worked with Rodney Garner. Um, and then, you know, they get Brian Jean-Marie from, from Michigan, who is a linebackers coach that's put a lot of guys in the NFL. And then they rounded out with Eckler, who's, um, if any of the other four are ever lacking in energy, Eckler is—he's—he's he's going to be the guy to pick up the slack there. Um, yeah. In his own words, he's up at three a.m. every morning and doesn't need coffee. So, um, but he did say later runs that he hot, lo- as he says. But he did say later that he he loves Red Bull. So that's kind of like you buried the lead there, buddy. Well, I've never—I don't—I'm not a big Red Bull fan, so I can't relate. But um, yeah, you know, it's it, it's an interesting staff. I, I'm curious to see how they're going to structure it. Um, you know, having an outside linebackers coach when you might be running a four three, I'm kind of curious how that's gonna. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, how that how that's gonna pan out, but um, I, I think the staff is still getting to know, um, you know, what their personnel is going to be, and they're really not going to know, you know, until they get out and, and have a few practices in the spring, which is spring's going to start on March 23rd. Um, but until then, they, you know, it's it's still early early days. Um, uh, to, to kind of see what, what they have and to see what they're going to be. Are they going to be a 4-3, that kind of thing. So, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I ran some projected depth charts last week on the site. If you missed those, check those out. Um, and it, you know, it's hard to predict, you know, because you don't know what any of these guys, you know, these guys might be in a new position. Some of these guys got, might get moved around. Some of these guys might get different labels in terms of where they play. And, uh, and it might depend just on what package they're in, what situation they're in. So, uh, when, when banks, you hear coaches talk about being multiple, that's what they mean. They want to be able to do a lot of different things. And um, uh, But I think what Banks does and what a lot of these guys that they've hired to the staff have been around in the past in terms of their defenses have been being aggressive, forced a lot of turnovers, takeaways, tackles for lost sacks. That's what Josh Heifel wants his defenses to do because uh, he's going to coach you know aggressively on the offensive side. They're going to take shots. Uh, they're going to try to stretch defenses and you know, with this defense under this group, they're going to try to uh, do the same thing on offense and or try to do the same thing on defense. So that that's why I think that it was interesting to hear Heupel say that that he thinks that 
uh, the staff they've hired, starting with Tim Banks, is is sort of you know it's a good philosophy match for what they what they want on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think uh, and before I ask Ryan this question, I, I want to say something that that sort of intrigued me, and I guess we could talk about that probably a little bit more in the second segment. But you know, we asked Banks, or you know, pretty pretty pointedly or pretty specifically sort of what the base defense was. And then he said, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what we've got. And, and then someone asked him another question and he said, well, you know, obviously we're going to, we're going to put in the base defense in the spring. And it's like, Whoa, wait, wait, I got a little confused by that. It was like, are you, so you're going to put in the base, but are we talking like base principles? Because, you know, earlier you said, you're not quite sure what, you know, you're going to have to fit it to what you've got, but then you put in the base did either one of y'all get tripped up by that? Am I just being an idiot? I might be just being an idiot here, but that kind of that kind of twisted me up a little bit. Well, no, I, I think that's that's fair. I, I did notice the same the same comment caught my attention. I I I think that's. I mean, I I tend to think coaches have an idea of what they want to do scheme wise. Even sure. when they're saying multiple, they probably have an idea of which one they're maybe more likely to lean toward in the long run. Whether that's uh, going back to some of the four man fronts that Tim Banks uh, has been more accustomed to dealing with his previous stops or whether that's sticking with some of the three man front stuff that, that Tennessee did with its, you know, most of its current personnel under Jeremy Pruitt staff. I think they probably have an idea of, of which one they're more likely to do more of. And, and my guess would be the four man front stuff, because let's face it, Tennessee was essentially running a lot of four man fronts under Jeremy Pruitt too. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody pretty much does a lot of the four, two, five stuff these days. So I, I think they, you know, when, when you talk about that, you know, installing the base stuff, though, I, w- I would assume that could also just mean base principles, though. Um, that could mean some base looks in both three and four man fronts. But in general, yeah, I, I would say they have an idea of what they're doing. They're just not wanting to say a lot about it yet. And there may be some final decisions still to make based on what they see this spring. But they're just probably not wanting to commit themselves to too much and, and maybe also sort of just, uh, you know, keeping the element of surprise on the table, you know, not. Teams having to guess a little bit going into the season on what they might see from Tennessee would never be a bad thing. And let's face it, if there was ever a year to do that without really giving much away, it's this year. We won't even be out there on the practice field probably at least this spring to see much of what we're um, of, of what they're going to be doing. So you know there, there could be some of that too. But I, I think they're still at least keeping an open mind, but probably have an idea of what they like to do for the most part. And, and I think you know they they might try to reinvent the wheel guys and go with like a four zero seven. Yeah, <laughs> not, my, who knows who's going to play linebacker? Yeah, they're going to go four defensive linemen and seven safeties. Yeah, I was going to say it might have to be five safeties and two corners if they do that. Because there you I don't go, think the, cor- the cornerback depth is very good either. But yeah, they <laughs> they're going to have to do what they can with what they have. I think that's the bottom line with this defense is they're they're shorthanded in enough spots or at least short on proven depth in enough spots that that they they do have to go out there to some extent and just see what they have before they really can commit to anything because this is sort of a not a patchwork roster by any means but still a flawed one that that is especially on the defensive side going to take some work throughout the year to sort of figure out how they can best use the the players they have yeah and I think this might be the first team in college football history that has more linebackers coaches than linebackers um (laughs) <laughs> you know, which is interesting because if you're like you have an outside linebackers coach and then you have an inside linebackers coach or whatever and you have a four three defense, like basically you're saying like I guess that's the quarterback of the defense, right? So it gets its own position coach in a way, kind of like um, 
you know, kind of like the quarterback does. I don't know. That's it's interesting, but you know, they have that extra spot nowadays, and they can use it however they want. Uh, and it might just be a matter of, hey, these were the coaches that we wanted, and then we'll give them titles and figure it out. Um, but I, I thought that was interesting, and, and they did mention uh, we, we we asked several of them uh, about the statuses of Henry Toto and um, Quaveras Crouch, and guys, it seemed to me like. Um, I think I like the way they handled it, all of them. They kind of said the same thing. They were marching from the same beat there saying, you know, hey, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with those guys, but we're more focused on the guys who were here because they're the guys who were here. And, you know, they don't want to talk about players who have either left or players who might leave. They want to focus on the guys they have. And honestly, I, I as much as everybody would like to them to figure out a way to get at least one of those two guys back – I think you kind of have to plan as if they don't, and if they do, that's a that's a nice that's a nice boost. Yeah, I, I think I don't know about diplomatic if that's the way to describe how they answered. Uh, those. It, it was Tim, it was Banks and and uh, Jean Marie who answered those questions about those two guys, and um, you know obviously they'd love to have those guys back, but they you know they weren't far from saying, hey, we you know pleading, you know, they didn't make a public plea to to have those guys back. Uh, and, and at this point, it kind of seems like neither of them are going to be back. Um, you know, Henry's been uh, out in California still taking classes virtually. I don't see any signs of him coming back. Um, I think his father made it pretty clear that they had plans to go elsewhere. I think they would uh, – I think if the right transfer rules get passed, he could end up at Alabama. But um, I suppose there's still a chance he could end up at West. But uh, I think they're still kind of waiting to see. But I don't, I don't know how much consideration is being given back – is being given to returning to Tennessee – uh, with Crouch, we had been hearing that he has been with the team and been working out, um, and that may have changed um, based on some of the comments today and, and some other things that, that we've heard sort of rumblings of or, you know, the rumor mill, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and, and, but even that, you know, it wasn't and, that long ago, he was on a video with, you know, that, that Tennessee put out of off-season workouts. So, yep. um, you know, maybe that's changed. Maybe, you know, maybe they're just not – maybe he is working out with the team and they're just not considering him part of it until, you know, he gets two feet in is out of the portal. Um, you know, but it's like, it's like Jean Marie said, I mean, um, you know, coaches go into seasons and go into games with the greatest plans ever, but then things change and you have to adjust on the fly and, and whether it be injuries in a game or, uh, during the off season, it's, you know, other circumstances like attrition transfers, what have you. Um, and so they're, they're focusing on, on the guys that they have now, uh, in Gene Marine's case, I don't know how many guys he has because there's not a lot of linebackers on this roster. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's, there's you, not. You might many. be able to count them on one hand, um, depending on if they move some guys over there. Now they have some guys that they could probably move over there, but um, and we'll I'll, I'll see how that all plays out. But um, yeah, that that was maybe the newsiest thing of the day. I'll be uh, I'll be honest, was, Pat. Was the, the answers to those two guys uh, on those two guys who obviously um are in the portal and yeah. you know haven't a lot of guys a lot of Tennessee guys have been in the portal and either have either committed or are on other campuses right now and those are two guys that have not yeah the crouch one surprised me guys I'm going to be honest with you about that because and we don't know what he's going to do let's let's be clear about that you know there it, it's just it seems like there might be a little less confidence now than there was before that they can convince him to 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 hang around and I'll be honest I, I don't I don't put him on that level with with Hank T as a guy because Hank T is a guy who, you know, he picks up defenses so quickly. He's such a good player. He'll go anywhere and he'll play. There is no question about it, right? Like he could go to Alabama tomorrow and play. You know, he could go in Ohio State, you know, Clemson, anywhere tomorrow, and he's going to play. He's too good to not play. Crouch, on the other hand, is a guy who I thought had a lot more to gain if he stayed. 
And I still believe that because he, he has an opportunity at Tennessee. Now, Banks is a, is a good player, a talented player, bit of a bit of a hothead, but they're working on that. Um, he's got a lot of ability. But Crouch is a guy who, if he stays at Tennessee, they can almost – I don't building a defense around him is probably too far, but he's going to be a huge part of the puzzle. And he already knows the guys on the team. He knows the area. And, you know, if he's not going to pick up things quite as quickly as someone like Toto was, I think he's got a lot more to gain by staying. I just, I'll be honest, you know, these aren't the coaches who recruited him and he has every right to go do whatever he wants to do. More power to you guy. I just don't, I don't understand it is what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I think people would look at the whole picture with all the transfers. You know, you, you could argue Keyshawn Lawrence had a great opportunity to play a big role in Tennessee's secondary moving forward, and and he didn't stick around. So I think they're. Well, he, I, I think he, it's he had he had one he had one he was only there for like a few months though. So I don't I don't know you know what I mean. Like he was there for less than a year. So I don't I mean that might be a little bit different to me. Maybe I, I I don't I just I just think looking at some of this when you look when you're talking about something that ha- is happening in the fallout of not only a coaching change but an NCAA investigation, I just think there could be more to any or all of these situations than we're all assuming. And to look at it just from a football perspective, maybe oversimplifying it. I know from fans that it's hard to separate those those things sometimes, and and even for us looking at it trying to project these depth charts and saying, why, why wouldn't a guy want to stick around here and have a, a pretty clear path to a first team job. But sometimes it's, there, there's more to it than that. Sometimes, you know, that just like we saw with Dylan Brooks, you know, the Tennessee signee wanting out of his letter of intent. It, essentially, I don't think it mattered to him who Tennessee hired. I don't think there was much of a way to sell him on Tennessee. Once Jeremy Pruitt was gone, it may be this way for some of those players where they don't really, Maybe they just don't like being at Tennessee enough to justify doing it for a different staff. Maybe, you know, there, there could be all, any number of possibilities. And, you know, the, obviously there are off-field considerations to take take into account for, for these guys, just personal happiness and things like that. I mean, you, you just don't know what might be going on. So I, I don't think it's ever as simple as just looking at the football side when you're talking about a, a, a situation this potentially messy after a coaching change especially. But I, I do think, yeah, if, if Kavaris Crouch is looking uh, at the football side of things, there's no question he would have a big opportunity to play right away at Tennessee if he stays under this new staff. But yeah, that to, to the Patrick's point, you know, what we've heard lately certainly suggests he's at least still looking around, I think at other options. I don't know what the status is of whether he's working out with the team, but it, uh, if, if that's, you know, the way the coaches talked about it during that, that zoom conference on Monday may, certainly makes you think they're not counting on anything at this point. And, and maybe that's just, just knowing that, that Crouch isn't fully committed to staying is part of that, and they're just not counting on him until they can. Or or maybe they just know there's a real chance he goes elsewhere. It's hard to say for sure, but I think the fact is there's at least some doubt, and that's probably more than we thought you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And, and, Ryan, you make a good point about him sort of um, whether he's still thinking of, of not being here because we've heard something you know that Josh Heupel's harped on a lot since he's been here is accountability, accountability with the players. So – um, you know, the, you know, the players see that too. You know, they see if a guy is, you know, still not maybe fully committed. Um, and I think that was something that the players conveyed to Hypel was something that they thought was lacking. Um, and, you know, he, Wes, I think you asked him on Monday about the buy-in and, and, and he said that, you know, he, it's been pretty good. And, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, you would expect it to be good, right? I mean, we haven't talked to any of these players yet. Um, and they probably don't know any better if it's good or bad right now. And, and, you know, 
we know that, that the chemistry last season from this, you know, with the staff and the team wasn't great. We all saw that. It was pretty obvious that yep. there was just something off with this team. And, you know, some, you know, some guys went to, to get a change of scenery, you know, and, and start a new elsewhere. Other guys are trying to take advantage of, of the change of, uh, of leadership in the program. So um, from the standpoint of, of wanting everybody to be bought in and needing everybody to be sort of pulling in the same direction and, and working toward the same thing. If, if first crouch is not decided, you know, I don't know that they're going to rush him, but they're also not going to wait on him. Right. I mean, if, if, if you're, uh, if you're Tennessee staff, you're Tennessee's other players, you know, you, you're, you're focusing on learning this defense and getting to know the staff and, and building that trust between player and coach and all that stuff. So um, if he's, if he's still looking around, then, um, then, then I think, and, and Ryan, I think that's accurate an accurate way to put it is he still might be looking around then, you know, he's maybe not as committed as, as some of his other teammates. And maybe their coaching staff isn't, you know, like I said, they're not willing to wait on him and uh, and they're going to focus on who they have and who's got two feet in and all that kind of stuff as they get ready for spring ball. Yeah. I, and I, just to, no, go ahead. Well, I was saying, just to follow up on the, on the toe toe situation, uh, for those who might not be go Vols 24 seven members and maybe didn't see this story uh, a few weeks ago, Hank South from our Alabama site spoke with toe toe's father while Henry has remained silent and his father's comments certainly suggested he's looking very strongly at transferring to Alabama, as Patrick said, and that, you know, if there's a fallback plan, Ohio state, maybe it certainly didn't sound like he's leaning toward staying on the West coast. That's one Uh, hell of a fallback plan, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And he also mentioned Texas as a possibility since he's talked with Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, who obviously was involved in Alabama when, when Toto visited there in the past. So, uh, yeah, that, that, there are a few options there that would not involve staying out West. And that's, uh, he, it sounded like his father wanted to kind of shoot down that perception that a, he wanted to stay out West because it sounded like he was not worried about that at all. I think they view this as a one year, maybe two year at most stop, but certainly possibly a one year stop for him before he goes to the NFL. So it, they want to put him in a, a position to play high level football. And it sounds like they still have a desire to play in the sec, just not at Tennessee. And also, Toto's father had some pretty uh, – one comment in particular that certainly raised some eyebrows yeah, among Tennessee fans. Ramey, Ramey Very, and I talked about that on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, how uh, you know it's just unfortunate that, 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 that Toto's father is almost single-handedly trying to ruin his son's Tennessee reputation yeah, by saying yeah. things that he just – maybe it's his right to say but are just not smart to say. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sum up the comment without having it in front of me, but he essentially said, you know, that, yeah, that he's um, – that they made them. They made a mistake the first time, essentially, by picking Tennessee over Alabama, and they they don't want to make that same mistake twice. And so, it, it, unless you go back on a comment like that, which is pretty strong for anyone making a decision that they have not made fully yet, then you know that certainly suggests he's not really looking at coming back to Tennessee. So I would I would ninety five percent close that door and not really. Uh, not really hold out much hope if I were a Tennessee fan. And, and it does sound like he has some really good options. I know Ohio, Ohio State's on him really hard. Alabama obviously would want him, but he's going to wait and see how this things play out with this whole um, one-time transfer exception, which would obviously then require the SEC to change its rules to allow him to transfer within the conference and be eligible right away. So he's got to wait and see how things play out this spring and maybe even into, into the early summer before he can make a final decision on where he wants to go. But it doesn't sound like he's – likely to end up at Tennessee unless something really, really changes. Yeah, we're bumping up against a break here for to, to end this first segment here. But but I, I think that, you know, I'll clarify what I meant when I when I talked about Crouch. I, I think that 
we don't know all the intent, you know, all the all the factors at play there, and so I don't want to assume. And I think that's a really, really good point, Ryan, to to get that out there again and to say that because there could be a lot of things here we're, we're not privy to. In fact, oftentimes that's the case where we know some things, but we don't know everything. I'm just talking about strictly from a football standpoint. Um, you know, I I don't think uh, you know if you stay at Tennessee right now, you are guaranteed pretty much if you're healthy and you're out of trouble that you're going to play. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of senior defensive linemen in front of you, guys who can at least take up some space um, and occupy a couple blockers, and you, you you would have an opportunity if your offense struggles uh, there for a year or so to get used to things, and you're and it's running up tempo, and you're on the field a lot. That's a lot of opportunities to put a lot of film out there for a lot of people to see, and I just. You know, because we've seen this for years, like Vanderbilt and Kentucky, when they've not been very good, they've still had linebackers that made a bunch of plays and then have made really nice careers in the NFL. So I, I just, I'm looking at it from the surface, assuming unless there's not some sort of like a tire fire uh, to which we're unaware, I I just don't know, you know, toe-toe, I get, crouch, I'm like, nah, you know, unless there's something I don't know there, I, I don't, you know, at this point in his career, I, I, he might have more to gain by staying. But well, and, I, and to your point, I, I think his I wonder just based on what, you know, rumors, at least that we've heard out there about the, some of the schools that could be interested in him still and which schools may not be. You know, there was some talk early on when he first entered the portal of North Carolina and Michigan. Not, not a lot's come of that so far. So I, I wonder also if his stock has fallen a little bit among the schools that might be interested in him. And if he's not going to necessarily have his choice of some elite programs that might make it from a football standpoint seem even more likely that, Hey, you should stay at Tennessee where you've got a good chance to play at a high level. But, and that, and that would tell me that if he does end up leaving it maybe one of those situations where like some of the transfers we've already seen, they just wanted to go somewhere else period. And so we'll, yeah. we'll find out, but that may be the situation. Yep. And there's a lot more to discuss there. I'm sure this will be the, this will definitely not be the last time we mentioned Crouch and Toto on this podcast, uh, regardless, but um, certainly a lot to watch there. Sure. In the are you sure we don't need to focus on the guys that are here like the Tennessee staff is? Or do we need to focus on the guys that aren't here, Wes? <laughs> well, I think when those two guys that are not here could make a huge difference on the, on the team. Toa, Toa, that ship has sailed. Um, but I don't know that we should assume for certain that Crouch has gone yet and his return uh, would mean quite a bit for this defense, I think. I think well, it, and, it would and help a lot. To your point, Patrick, they've got like, what, how many linebackers that have actually played on this team? Like three maybe that have, that have played significant football at all in their past. So yeah, you, you could use any help there you can get. So it's it's certainly a or, it's a storyline. Or right? yeah. add guys from the portal also. Add linebackers yeah. from the portal. You could also do that. So there's mm-hmm. plenty to discuss there. Um, but we're going to step away, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things. We're going to come back, and, and we're going to speak about the guys who are here, right? To Pat's point, let's talk about the guys who are here. Let's talk about let's the guys. Let's be positive, Wes. Come on. Let's talk about the dudes who are 10 toes in, some of them because they're players and some of them because Tennessee has paid them a lot of money to come here and coach and be 10 toes in. But you know what? It all counts the same because they're, they're 10 toes in. Back in a second. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a postcard-perfect, beautiful, beautiful 65-degree day here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Can you stop talking about how nice it is outside while we're all cooped up inside having to talk to each other? I mean, there's I got a window here, you know? I, I do too, but I'm not out there. You look like you're in a dungeon. I don't see any light in there. I'm in a fungeon. There you go. It's my fun dungeon. I like it. I like it. I'd never heard that expression before. I like fungeon. Patrick Brown from his fungeon down there at his undisclosed location. Ryan Callahan from his home daycare center there on the other side of town. Talking Tennessee football um, primarily in this episode edition, edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, we've, we talked a little bit about a little bit about hoops, a little bit about baseball, but we're doing mostly football on this one. Spoke with Tennessee's new football assistant, uh, defensive assistants today, Monday, as we're speaking right here. Um, but we're going to talk a lot more about that because I think there's some interesting things that, that happened uh, from those conversations today. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, guys, please take a minute out of your day right now and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, there is nothing out there in the world that you can do that would help us more than one, telling all your friends and family, uh, and and maybe let's put like work proximity associates in there, you know, like quasi buddies, frenemies, basically people that you know. Tell them about it. That's one. But two, please subscribe to this podcast, rate and review this podcast uh, with all the algorithms and everything. Uh, that that helps us a lot because uh, we've continued growing day over day, uh, you know, week over week, month over month, year over year. Numbers are looking really really good. Really excited about where this is going. But y'all can help I think us. We had what I think we had like five million downloads last month. It was something like that. It was it was like something Maybe, like, or, or is it a billion? Am I getting my letters wrong? Well, it, it's like you know, it's like us and like you know Joe Rogan. Like we're right there, you know, like just pushing like you know PMT. Like we're just we're, we're just right there. It's like the Rushmore basically of the podcasts right there. Uh, that that that's what we're doing here. Um, but seriously, whether you are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find this Govals 24-7 podcast, and if you go rate and review it, uh, we'd like a five-star, but you know what? We can take constructive criticism. Please go in there and tell us what you like. Tell us uh, what you think we could do better. Tell us some some suggestions. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about. All of that. That's what it's for. Go do that. Also, as always, and I like to let Ryan do this because I think Ryan enjoys doing this. Ryan, what's special? Uh, what, what's going on right now on the site? What, what, are we, what are we repping? What are we promoing to the people right now? And because sometimes Wes might not know what the current promo is, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's whatever. You didn't hear it. You, there's no denial there, is there? That's so all right. I, I, all right. I'm, I'm Mike Eckler sitting here with the uh, with, <laughs> with Jeremy Pruitt fighter. I don't, mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'll tell you that up. I work for CBS Sports, and then I'm happy about it. <laughs> you can sign up for uh, an annual subscription for 30% off. That's a... Uh, kind of our standard deal, but it's a, it's a really good one. And then you can get a, a monthly subscription right now for a dollar for the first month. So great time to check out the site and uh, we'll, we'll see We'll see if there's anything else uh, coming up down the, down the road with spring practice just around the corner, but that's uh, that's the offer right now and a great chance to, to check out the site going into spring practice to get all that basketball coverage, spring football and more. And I think it's a really good time too, because you think about the convergence of things going on right now, you've got, 
um, a new football staff in town. So obviously there's a lot of stuff going on with the, with the team. There's stuff going on with players. Are they staying? Are they going? Even though we're only talking about the ones who are staying in, in this, uh, this segment. Um, you know, talking about recruiting always. Who's this new staff? Who do they have ends with? Where are they going? Um, what can we look for? Some trends there. Transfer portal stuff. Guys they want to add potentially. Um, that's going on. Basketball right now. Uh, they got the big win over the weekend. Hopefully, I mean, still trying to kind of get to the level they should be at going into the postseason, uh, starting with this this week's SEC tournament down in Nashville. Uh, you got the baseball team who is off to an eleven and two start, uh, ranked. Uh, about to be, I think, probably in the top 15 or so when the new rankings come out this week. Uh, lots of good stuff going on there. you got Lady Vols marching toward uh, the NCAA tournament. They're, they're doing some good things right now under Kelly Harper. There, there's just a lot of things going on right now um, that it's a really good time to be there because there's, this is that convergence of seasons. You know, where you got spring football about to start with the new staff. You got basketball postseason stuff. You know, and I'll tell you right now, basketball recruiting, um, there's a couple of, there's an absolute five star top 10 stud from the 2022 class who might transfer down to the 2021 class and become a Vol as soon as next season. So there's lots of stuff to keep an eye on there, lots of interesting stuff. And I I think that's something that, that, uh, that y'all should go check out. It's the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to discuss all things Tennessee. Guys, back to Tennessee football. One thing that I noticed, and, and we talked with Hypel about this a little bit on Monday, was that, you know, I, I here's what I took from part of this, and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I know you'll have no trouble doing that. It looks to me like offensively, Josh Heupel knows exactly what he wants to do. He knows he, he is an offensive guy. He knows his guys. He knows the guys he wants on his staff. And I think he thinks what they do offensively, that's going to travel anywhere, no matter what conference you're in, no matter what level you're at. They are fully bought in to their offensive system, and, and, and they don't care about that. Defensively, it looked like he took a little bit more time to, to get some guys with some more SEC experience. I know Burns and some others on the offensive staff – They've got some SEC experience. Uh, O-line coach, too, got some, a little bit of SEC experience. But it seemed to me like that was more of an emphasis for him on the defensive side of the ball, was getting guys who were who had familiarity with this league. Is that is that wrong? I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I, I think uh, it's kind of like what – I think what Josh Heupel envisions is kind of like what, let's say, Florida back – back in the Steve Spurrier era, like Tennessee and, and ideally under Josh Heupel is going to be known for its offense, right? So you're going to score quickly. That's going to put your defense in tough spots. There will probably come a time where they, where they have a pretty good defense and they still may give up a lot of points because of circumstances sure. um, based on that. So you ideally want to have a good defense. It's not that you can't have one, but I think the idea is you're going to be known for your offense. So a having continuity on that side of the ball made more sense uh, and B because your offense is going to be your calling card, you probably need some some guys who are more familiar with the SEC, some guys who maybe have a little more name recognition, um, more more proven recruiters, things like that, to sell the program on defense where your defense might not sell itself based on just the number of points you're allowing or the players you're putting in the in the NFL and things like that. So I, I think it was I always kind of said it was like once we saw the finished product or, or as the staff was. Coming into full form, I, I thought it looked like a very common sense staff because that's that's kind of what a lot of people would have done. I think you know keep most of his offensive staff together and then bring in some guys who are a little more proven and more established recruiters on the defensive side to go out there and sell the program. Uh, and knowing that the SEC is a different brand of football from what he's coming from at UCF, so all that made sense. And 
yeah, he's got he got a little more SEC flavor and more importantly, more power five flavor uh, with the guys he just hired, obviously, including Tim Banks and Brian John Marie. Yeah, Ryan, I think you make a good point with the offensive staff. I think uh, I think it was Cody Burns when when the offensive guys talked that, you know, basically made it sound like this offense will will sell itself eventually. You know, when they get it rolling and they're putting up a lot of points, uh, that it's going to sell itself. And now they've gone. Um, they've got some guys that have, you know, have popped up a lot in the, in the 24-7 sports recruiter rankings in the past, whether it be uh, Brian Jean-Marie at Texas. Obviously, Rodney Garner is a fixture in there. Um, I think Willie Martinez has recruited well in the past. So, um, and, and, you, and you get some guys that know this league, that have been in this league, uh, that know the footprint of, uh, of where, you know, that are familiar with some of the areas that Tennessee is going to recruit in. And I think it makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, I, I we it's ridiculous. I don't know how far we're into this podcast, but we have not mentioned the best line of, of Monday's Zoom was from Rodney Garner. It was a good one. It was a good one. Dropped some good knowledge that there are three things that don't lie in life. Uh, number one, the Bible, obviously. Mm-hmm. Number two is the mirror. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And number three is the film. I see. I, I, I can't I, contend that. I would add Mama to that, but you know, I think he's. Well, I Wes, think I think he's got your, the basic. Your mom can lie. We know. Well, yeah, when she's like, no, honey, you look great. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. But, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I like a lot of the guys that he put together on this defensive staff. And that, that doesn't mean that they don't have a million challenges. That doesn't mean that, you know, we, we've talked about this for a while now. What what are they going to do at linebacker? We have very It doesn't very mean that Rodney Garner is going to be pulling in five stars right now, right? Correct. Exactly. Correct. Now he could now Rodney Garner is such a great recruiter that there there could be a couple of, of high impact guys that he can say, guys, listen, I'm not going to promise you a starting spot, but what do you need to see? <laughs> like, well, how much? Oh, yeah. I mean, come in and be pretty decent, and you'll be there. Well, I, will, like, I will say this. Go ahead, Patrick. Well, I mean, it's like we say, you know, we talk about the offensive staff believing that this offense will sell itself, and you know, for the the cynical fan out there saying, well, they can't get a they can't get a quarterback to join them in this class, and it's like. <laughs> That's not really their fault at this point because they've been here about thirty seconds. So you know that that's you know we say we we'll, we'll talk this staff up and some will be like, well, I'm in wait and see mode. You should be in wait and see mode. Obviously, uh, I think it hurts Tennessee from a recruiting standpoint. They can't get players to campus to meet some of these guys face to face. I think that that's a big challenge. Um, but like I said, I, I like the staff. Some we haven't mentioned is four of these guys have been defensive coordinators in the past. So yes, yes. Um, if, if you're worried about Tim Banks not. You know, he's not called plays for a defense in a while. Okay, granted, but he's got some guys around him that, you know, can be in his ear on Saturday and saying, hey, I think we need to – I think we need to pressure here or on this third down. Or, hey, I think we need – you know, they're doing this. We need to counteract this way. Um, he's got some guys that have been around the block a little bit um, that I think can – that can help him. And I think that that's – I think that's something that shouldn't be overlooked. Go ahead, Ryan. No, and co- well, co- coordinators could say things like, hey, they've been setting us up for this play all day long. At some point in the second half, they're going to hit us with this specific play because they've been attacking this and they're setting this up and I've seen them do it before. But go ahead, Ryan. Your name's not Ryan. <laughs> thank well, I was thank God. That, thank God. That, that just because uh, Tennessee maybe believes its calling card is going to be offense or that the offense will sell itself more so than, than the defense, at least right out of the gate, I, I don't want people to get the impression that that means Josh Heupel doesn't have a – a preference or an idea of what he wants to do on defense. I think he does. Uh, I think he just had one of the reasons he had trouble making a hire this time was frankly just the situation. And, and it's hard to say how much it might have factored in, but also I think there could have been some people 
a little bit leery of the situation because of what Tennessee's offense is going to do, because they might put the defense in some tough spots. Yeah. Defensive coordinators mostly want to be in situations that are favorable for them to put up good numbers. And, and this may not, might not be that type of system for a, uh, for a defensive coordinator, uh, or at least from the outside looking in anyway, to come in and not give up that many points because they're, you're going to be back out in the field in 90 seconds a lot of times. And that's, that's not ideal, but, uh, but I, I think Josh Heupel knows what he wants out of a defense. And I think he, he's kind of touched on it a little bit. He wants to be attacking aggressive. He wants to make big plays. Uh, you, you want, it, it's about stealing some possessions. You, you want sacks, you want interceptions, you want fumbles. Uh, they were good at forcing turnovers at UCF. You want the same thing here because the name of the game for, for playing the style of football, Tennessee is going to try to play at least is score 30 plus points a game, ideally 40 plus and still get about four stops total in the game. You know, a couple stops each half, score 40-plus points, it's going to be hard to beat you. So I think that's kind of what Tennessee's looking at, and whether that's accomplishing that through a second or third down sack, putting someone behind the chains, or, or forcing a turnover, you don't want to just be a defense that lets somebody, you know, kind of does the bend but don't break thing and never forces turnovers. I don't think that's what Josh Eiffel wants. I think he wants aggressiveness and making disruptive plays at all times. Yeah, I think they're going to have to be aggressive for several reasons. Uh, I, I don't know that they're going to have – there's going to be some mismatches there on the back end, them trying to cover some guys. And so you're going to give up some plays anyway, so go ahead and try to make some plays while you're at it. And that's why I think they'll probably be aggressive. Also, I mean, they don't have, they're not going to have a lot of depth in some places. They're, they're just not. And they're going to be playing really fast on offense. So uh, you want to get a breather on defense – Get a stop, get a turnover. You know that's kind of the the, the way to do it. And and so, I, I just I, I wonder like what are are the potential strengths of what this group can do, right? Because you know you, you've got some seniors up front who have played some some solid football for you. They may not be you know first second round draft picks. They may not be stars, but they're guys who have played just an absolute ton of snaps in this league and have some experience. I think that's a good place to start. Maybe you won't get absolutely bullied up front. Um, but that, to me, you know, Alante Taylor, when he's healthy and when he's dialed in, is a really good corner. Um, they've got some guys. Theo Jackson's got a ton of experience on the back end, uh, and, and he's gotten progressively, I think, a little bit better throughout parts of his career. So, I mean, they've got, you know, Slaughter's an, a nice, intriguing piece. Um, they've got some things they can build on, but it's got to start up front, doesn't it? Because that, that's where they've got some guys. Well, I, I don't know if it's going to start up front. I don't, I don't, I don't know that they're that good up there. I mean, I, I and, mean, and, solid. But, but don't we don't know good, that though, because this group hasn't had a haven't had a position coach in what like six months. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, it, you know, they went from Tracy Rocker to Jimmy Brombaugh, who was here for like a minute, um, and then you know they had had Jeremy Pruitt coach them for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think will it start up front? I don't know. There's so much unknown about this defense you know they have some guys that are really young that could be really good players um and for whatever reason they weren't able to get on the field much this past season mm -hmm. they have some guys in the secondary who have played good football at times in the past that for whatever reason weren't playing good football this past season i look mm -hmm. at a guy like Jalen mccullough he was pretty good at the end of his freshman season in 2019 yes he was then he has preseason he's you know uh contact trace he missed a lot of practice and he's had a you know then he has a foot injury um you know Ta you know Lante taylor's been up and down they've gotten good football at a couple of those other corners uh, in the past, but you know, they, they you know who you know, who this group's going to rush the pass or all these things. 
Um, but That's I think a it's a bit concern. of a misnomer. I mean, UCS, UCF's defenses were not – I mean, we're not talking South and Sari level here. Now, they weren't very good this past season. Um, yeah. But, you know, they didn't give up – I think they gave up 23 points a game in Heupel's first two season there. And, th- yeah. and people, will, people will say, oh, look at the – you know, look at the uh, – you know, look at the, the teams they were playing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, you know, the American Athletic Conference, they, they do offense down there. You know, they've got some pretty good offenses in that league. Yeah. Um, you look at Memphis, Houston – so on and so forth, Cincinnati. Um, you know, they got some good offenses in that league. So if you're holding teams to 23 points a game in that league, I think you're, you know, you're not terrible. I mean, for, for compared to say Tennessee gave up 30 points a game this past season. So um, I think, I think Ryan, like you said, I think they want to be able to sort of steal some possessions, maybe, uh, you know, force some turnovers, get some stops in the red zone. Uh, I don't, you know, this defense doesn't have the personnel to be, um, I don't think they can be reactive. I think they have to be proactive. I think they have to take some chances. Um, I, you know, you hear that some of the, some of the stuff from from some of the guys today, from from Banks and, and William Martinez saying, you know, we're going to be relentless. We're going to play hard. That that's something that the staff has to do. I think right off the bat, they have to sort of instill some confidence back in this group because um, I think this group has probably lost some of it. Guys up front, like I said, have been a lot of turnover with the assistant coaches there, with you know, with the position coaches for some of these defensive linemen. I mean, how many? Defensive lineman as Matthew Butler had in his career at this point. I mean, it's true. It, it's, a lot. it's it's been a few. He's on his third or fourth one. Um, he's really on his third one in the past year. So, um, and, and you know, you, you got to take chances. They're not. I don't know who they have that's going to rush the quarterback unless they find somebody in the portal, uh, or some guys are just you know waiting the wings to to let it go. So, um, I think they just have to start with this mindset that we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to make things happen. Uh, we're going to blitz a lot. We're going to play. You know they have to find sort of, I think they have to change some of the mindset. And from there, I think the staff has to make things simpler for these guys. Um, I think Tennessee's defense in the past under Jeremy Pruitt was maybe too complicated. And I think sometimes they tried to make what they had fit the system. I think if you're Tennessee, if you're this staff, I think you have to find a way to not make these guys do what they can't do. Tennessee's guys, you know, their defensive backs really struggled in coverage last season, right? Well, don't put them on an Island as much, you know, find a way to, to, you know, whether you're playing, uh, you know, if you want to give up a bunch of underneath stuff, that's fine. But just, you know, give, put them in a, in a position and give them a chance to be successful. There were too many times last year where I thought Tennessee's defense basically from the sideline wasn't given a chance. Um, and, and so I think there was a lot of that. Uh, and this staff that, that, has to find a they way couldn't to, get to do lined that. Up. And, and, they couldn't get lined up a lot of times. I mean, they just couldn't. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to point out. Yeah. And so just, you know, keep it simple and play hard. You know, if, if you do that, Maybe you have, maybe you can scrounge together enough athletes to make some things happen, and that's all you need to do if you're if you're this staff. You're thinking you're going to score 35 points a game, right off the bat, even what they have. And and I think offensively, from a personnel standpoint, they're in a much better situation than they are on defense, just because of uh, of what they have coming back. They have a whole ton of you know a whole lot of experience on the offensive side of the ball, uh, but they got some potential there. I think on the defensive side of the ball, they're just really thin at, at linebacker. They're really thin at cornerback. Um, you know, they need to hit those two positions in the portal. I think they could maybe move some guys to linebacker. Maybe you bulk to Mary McDonald up and put him there. Maybe you move Morvin Joseph there. Uh, he played some linebacker in high school and could be good there. Um, I, I don't, I'd almost be surprised if, so, if McDonald wasn't a linebacker at this point. Well, well I, I mean, some people, I would, I would have said that a year ago, but I think by the time he was playing last season, I think he was close to 195, 200 pounds. I don't think well, he was that big. Well, he also had what shoulder surgery and, and, in June, yeah. so how much, how much upper body was he doing, right? I mean, True. he said before he arrived, he was 217, and mm-hmm. you know, he was not exactly – he didn't exactly, like, shy away from, hey, I might grow into linebacker. So, 
Um, right. People said that the McCall, you know, Jalen McCullough might need it. I don't, I don't see him growing into a linebacker. I don't know if he has the frame to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just he, he just needs to get healthy and maybe play in a system that doesn't overcomplicate him. So um, I think that's what, you know, I think that's what the staff is doing in these early first couple of weeks here is they're trying to figure out what they have, right? Uh, they're trying to figure out, okay, what can these guys do and how can we build around it? That, that has to be what they have to do. Um, do they need to get better, better play out of the defensive line? I think no question, Wes. I think that that group was a real disappointment last season, but I'm not sure it was all their fault. Um, you know, that they, they've got a guy in Rodney Garner that's, I mean, if you're one of those guys and you see who he's coached, it, you know, that's got to pique your attention, right? That's got to get your butt in gear if your butt wasn't already in gear. So, because uh, this guy has the potential to, to make you a lot of money based on some of the guys he's helped make a lot of money in the past. So, um, you know, I, I think that is a starting point, but, you know, they've got a lot of questions to answer and, and for the staff, I think they are in the very early stages of figuring out what they have. And I thought it was interesting. I, I don't know who asked it, but somebody asked Tim Banks, you know, what he thought of the talent level of this defense. And he kind of sidestepped the question basically said, I don't know yet. And I, I the, the, the talent level of this defense, I think is a little bit up in the air, but the, that his, his question might've been a little bit of coach speak, but I think it's accurate. They don't know yet. They don't, they haven't been here long enough. And some yep. of these guys that they have haven't played enough to know whether they're good or not. You know? Yeah. I so, mean, no, go ahead. I think that's the that's the that's the question that the staff has to figure out as they get into the spring is is um, you know kind of it's still some confidence to figure out what these guys can do and, and give them a chance because I think a lot of times Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Hensley for whatever reason they were sticking to their guns of what they did they didn't give their guys a chance. I think that it's going to be interesting with with linebacker if depending on what they do schematically you know the and just because of the situation they're in with, with depth i mean this might be bringing guys like Solon Page the third back into play uh, a guy who is going to be a fifth year senior this year and a guy who is incredibly smart always has been you know he's a graduate uh, he he's never he never quite fit into the old defense uh, with Pruitt because of just of his size at about what 62220 um but he's a guy who's really really smart and a guy who could probably put some things together. I mean, I'm just saying these are the situations that they're in at linebackers. All I'm saying is that, I mean, you know, do you look at the younger Garland brother? I mean, do you look at what, what are you going to do? You got to put guys out there on the field to play and you just wonder where some of these guys are going to come from. I, I just listening to the comments uh, from the, from the coaches today. I, I, there are four general things that I, that I heard that if I'm a Tennessee fan, I, I like that I heard, these things today and in, in this, uh, this zoom conference one, and we, we could have told this from the resume, but you could tell it in their comments too. They have a staff, a defensive staff of proven coaches top to bottom. Uh, and it's the first time in a while they've had that on defense. So last year you had the question mark of Brian Niedermeyer coaching inside linebackers before that, you know, when Jeremy Pruitt first got to Tennessee you had Terry fair, a young cornerbacks coach. Uh, they, they've, they've, they've often given, it's somewhere on a five-man staff, especially with you know now being ten assistant coaches, you're going to take a chance on somebody. There's going to be some young guy somewhere that maybe is a bit of a question mark. I don't see that with this staff. I see a lot of experience, top to bottom, and I think that's that's a plus for this group. Um, I like hearing Josh Heupel say, and I think he's telling the truth when he says this, and Tim Banks also that they're flexible and willing to adjust and play to the strengths of their players. And I I, I believe Josh Heupel when he says that because I think we've seen it in his past. Uh, I think you look at what he did at UCF on offense. They ran a lot of three and four wide receivers, didn't run a lot of tight ends out there at all. They, they, they had them out there in some situations when they had to, but the tight end wasn't a big part of the passing game. What did they do at Missouri? They had tight ends, so they threw to them. So I, I think that shows you on offense he's willing to adjust. I think that's definitely going to be true on defense. Um, three, you, you hear Willie Martinez being back at Tennessee. 
he's excited to have back some players that frankly were probably afterthoughts to a lot of people, but he sees a guy like Theo Jackson and says, Hey, I recruited him. You're taking, you're taking my last talking point away before we step out of here, Ryan. That was where Sorry I was segueing on the way out. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think you got to like that. I mean, these, these are guys that are kind of, they're not thought of as stars, but this staff has a comfort level with them, a familiarity with them. And they're, they're happy to happy to have guys like that, that they clearly coveted out of high school. Um, at, at least in Willie Martinez's case, obviously not all these guys were here before. Um, and, and then also I, I think this is, again, something we knew before today, but just hearing Rodney Garner uh, give sort of his sales pitch to defensive linemen, I think you got to love regardless of, I mean, if you think Rodney Garner is the already the best recruiter on this staff, this is preaching to the choir, but for the first time in a while, Tennessee's got a defensive line coach with a, with a sales pitch who knows how to make it and who has a proven track record as a guy of developing defensive linemen. And, and you could see that today in just his presence and the way he talks about what he does. Um, you know, talked about it being his his ministry essentially to develop young men at that position and make them better people and not just better players. And you can see him telling that to parents. And like I, I you just look back at Tennessee's past few defensive line coaches and you haven't seen a presence like that. And I think you've got to have that to recruit that position. So that's a that's a big deal. And I think kind of underscores what Tennessee's getting there and a guy like Rodney Garner, who's obviously done it in the SEC for 30 years or so. Yeah. And my only point at linebacker was just that they've got to figure out some guys to play there. And I think it's, there are going to be some names that we hear at least in the spring that we're going to be like, well, you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, I think that's something that we have to, that, that we have to consider going into the spring. I mean, you go right now, you go on the roster and you, you click on Tennessee's 2021 spring roster and you get the coaching staff. <laughs> the, the, you know, they don't they haven't put out like, okay, exactly what position are you playing? Like they haven't put that that roster for the spring out yet. So we'll see that here and I guess in the coming weeks. I, I hope we're not I hope we're not about to have a spring where Josh Heifel doesn't say a single coach a single player's name. Because we're gonna be like, wait, who's still on the team? Has, has he left? He <laughs> he was in the portal at one point. Did he come back? Did he, you know, what what he, can we at least see pictures? Like what you know? Well, that, 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 that that's a reference to Pruitt West, his right. first spring where he didn't he didn't miss anybody's name. Or Har- didn't wasn't Harbaugh wasn't it Harbaugh at Michigan where like they, they, they didn't release a roster for going into camp one year. Harbaugh's yeah. a really good coach, by the way. Yeah, I know Pat Pat <laughs> loves Harbaugh, but I just remember there was a time where he like would not release the roster, and the people up there were like, "Dude, you gotta yep. at least say who's on the team." But it's going know. into the season. I think he's done yep. that before with yep. all the freshmen coming in, uh, not released to roster till right before the season opener, if something like that. But yeah, uh, what, what, one other point, I'll give you credit, Wes. I, I'm with you on this. I think Tennessee's defensive line is the position group you feel best about. We'll have plenty of time to discuss this going into spring practice the next two weeks, I'm sure. Does, but do, is that I, supposed to make me? I feel think better? that is the group you feel best about because you you put say you say you have a four man front. You put Tyler Barron at defensive end where he's not an outside linebacker all the time. Uh, you, you put him next to, you know, what Matthew Butler up there, Latrell Bumpus, uh, Middleton. You, you've got, you, yeah, Middleton. You, you've got, you, you, you know. got some experienced guys behind them. So I think that group, you at least sort of know what you're getting and you're getting an extra year out of some of those seniors where that's clearly the most experienced and proven group. And you've got some promising players, at other positions, but just a lot of question marks for the most part. So I, I'm with you, especially with Rodney Garner leading that group. I think you got to feel, feel pretty good about what they have at that position, other positions, much more up in the air. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that I really wanted to mention before we we get out of here is be the last thing we talk about probably, because uh, we're we're bumping up against time here. But but I think Ryan alluded to this earlier, and, and I was giving him a hard time about it. But you know, I thought one of the things that was really neat from Monday's conversations was first off, you know, Pat got to hear his favorite voice in the universe again, 
um, which is uh, obviously the voice of Willie Martinez, Tennessee's, uh, uh, again, what, what do I say, new, old, secondary coach, uh, Tennessee at Willie Martinez. Uh, He's... But- you have to hear his voice bellowing across the practice field to really get the get the experience. He could have he could have made a lot of money being like a podcast host or like a like a narrator for movies and shows and stuff and documentaries, and he wouldn't have to move as much, and he could make good money. I don't know why he there, didn't go that route. Very crisp speaker too. I, I, his yep. delivery for a coach is impressive. Very very good communicator. Always has been. But the one thing that I thought was really neat was he talked about how there were a couple of guys in this Tennessee secondary, and you talk about things kind of being circular, right? Because at first, Tennessee went from, you know, Butch Jones to Jeremy Pruitt. Like, you could not find two more different human beings on planet Earth, probably, than than Butch Jones and and Jeremy Pruitt. And then Tennessee goes in another completely different direction uh, with a guy like Josh Heupel. He and Jeremy Pruitt, they both speak English, but they're very different kinds of guys. And they want different things on the staff that, you know, different kinds of players, different philosophies on the game, uh, just different ways of communicating. They're just different guys. But you bring Willie Martinez back to Tennessee, and all of a sudden there were guys that he, you know, four or five years ago recruited to Tennessee, um, but he never really got to coach him. Uh, well, now he does. And he talked about how fun that was. And he also talked about there were some guys like Danico Slaughter, who he tried really hard to get to UCF, um, but then Tennessee being the bigger school comes up and takes him away. And he's like, ah, you ghosted me, but I, I got you back now. Uh, you can't get away from me now. I'm going to coach you. I just think things like that in football are really interesting to me because you, you got a guy who thought he was going to recruit these guys years ago to coach him, didn't get to coach him. Now he gets to coach him, which might, be something that helps these players because they remember him. They know, hey, this guy liked me. I remember that. Uh, we could we could do something here. And then you've got guys who he tried to recruit at a smaller school, couldn't get him there. Now he's got him at Tennessee. I just I don't know. Things like that interest me because I think they're really neat stories. And Brian Maurer on offense too. Obviously, knowing that you know he's people wondered about is he going to stick around? Well, he's got a new lease on life now because he's being coached again by a staff that wanted him at UCF. So yeah, there are definitely a handful of storylines like that at least on this team, where guys are going to be playing for new position coaches or, or a head coach or a coordinator that that believed in them at a previous stop or at least has a relationship with them. And that, I, I mean, Hey, we've seen it with every coaching change that we've unfortunately gotten used to covering at Tennessee over the past 12 years or so, but experts, um, it, experts. it's a new lease on life for several players. It almost always is. And, and so I'm fascinated this spring to see kind of who those players are, who, who were maybe afterthoughts under the old staff or didn't play much and now have a chance to, to maybe make a name for themselves under this new staff. And, you know, I, I could see some guys on offense, uh, you know, maybe a guy like Jacob Warren, uh, who wasn't much of a factor in the offense, is a good fit for what the staff likes at tight end compared to the old staff, you know, something like that. You know, there, there's, some, there's some guys that always kind of take advantage of that change, and I'm sure the same will happen here with potentially some of the guys you're talking about, Wes. Pat, did you have no thoughts there? I wanted to see. No, I have no thoughts. <laughs> Never. Done. I, things like that just interest me. I think it gives guys, like, you think about, like, you know, when when Pruitt got to Tennessee and Schamberger was a guy who, you know, all of a sudden he was like, hey, I remember this kid. I think he can play, you know. You know, different guys will emerge under a new staff, and I think that's one thing that people forget. It's like, my God, look at all the people they're losing. You know, gosh, they could be bad. And you know what, guys? They might be really bad. It's possible. They might be really, really bad for a little while. But I think there are some guys who the previous staff maybe didn't love that this staff might really like. 
And so they, you know, that might be getting a new player without having to add a new player. You know, it's like, you know, you got a new player because you got a guy who can fit your system now. So I think there are a lot of things in terms of fit uh, that, that could be interesting now with this, with this system. That's, that's just something I think. Guys, you got anything else before we step out of here? Anything else from today that really got your attention? There's a billion things we could talk about, but anything we need to? I wish Grant was here so we could make fun of him for not being able to run as far as Mike Eckler can. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, you can read about that on Go Balls 24 7, but a fun story about Mike Eckler uh, running, a, running a marathon. <laughs> yeah, for eating a whole bunch not of a barbecue. full marathon, Ryan, because yeah, he got stopped by the police. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, but, t- Tennessee can't, can't, even, they can't even recruit coaches who don't have checkered pass with the law, right? I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just what are you, you, uh, you going to do? I will say, and, and this is something, again, that we knew from the resumes before today, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like what Tennessee has put together from this uh, in terms of this recruiting staff. You know, we'll see if their ties in the South are, are enough to, to win some battles early on while, while they're not generating a ton of buzz nationally. But I, I like that the staff can reach into the Midwest and do some different things. I think you kind of have to do that at Tennessee somewhat uh, with, with where the program's been the past decade, be able to pull some, some guys from different areas and take advantage of the fact that you're one of the northernmost SEC schools that has a, a real tradition Go, go sell that in Michigan where Tim Banks has ties. Go sell that in the Midwest where, where Alex Skolish has some connections. So, you know, things like that. I, I do like that about this staff. And, and on top of that, they still have some SEC experience with guys like Mike Eckler and Rodney Garner. Uh, obviously, Willie Martinez that have done it before in the South and know what it takes to win big-time recruiting battles in the SEC. So uh, when you put it all together, it's a nice, nice mix. And I think, I think Tessie's done a good job on the recruiting front with this staff. My think- final thought, Wes, before you hit the music, is I think the staff's a lot better than I thought they were going to get. I'll be entirely honest, and that's from the top down. I think Josh Heupel has a better resume than I thought that they would end up getting uh, when they decided to pull the plug and make a change in mid-January with everything that's going on with this program, with the roster the way it is, with the NCAA situation the way it is, all those things. Um, for them to end up with the staff they got, I, I you know I think it's impressive that they were able to not only you know make some commitments in some cases, you know because they had to pay to get some guys here. Let's not. Uh, let's be honest. You kind of touched on that earlier, Wes. But no, no shame in uh, it. They, they got, no shame in it. Yeah, I mean, if you want, you know, you got to spend money to make money, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, but you know, they got they got some guys with some really strong resumes and a lot of good experience who've done a good job of developing players and and, and generating success where they've been. So um, maybe there's reason to be encouraged if you're a Tennessee fan. To yeah. your point, Patrick, the guy that I would say is the most like outside the box, maybe riskiest hire they made on the surface is a guy who was a head coach previously, Jerry Mack. Jerry Mack, Mack yep. Yeah, so, and that's only risky in the sense that he's not been in the SEC before and he's not technically been a running backs coach before, but that's a position that a lot of guys think, wow. if you know offense, you can coach running backs. Hey, so, Pat, uh, hey, Pat where's he from again? Well, Ron, he's a Memphian, so he, he's obviously that's awesome. That's right. So, there you go. Yeah. I mean, so you, got, you got some Memphis ties there. I mean, that's a, and even that's not really a risky hire because it's a guy that's been an offensive coordinator as most recent stop and a head coach before that. So, so yeah, to, to me, I, that, to, to the point I made earlier, on both sides of the ball, I'm impressed by the level of experienced, proven guys they got uh, under tough circumstances. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Pat. I, I think the finished product is, is good, and I'm sure there will be one or two that won't work out for some reason. There always is on a first-year staff, but – I think what they got, uh, especially at this time, is, is really impressive. What that told me was that the Tennessee name brand still has some pop to it. You know, maybe if not with certain players in this era right now, certainly with the coaches because they've been around this game. They know what Tennessee can do. They know the upside of a program like Tennessee and what you can accomplish there because in their lifetimes, when they were players, you know, when they were young coaches, 
they saw it. So, you know, something to uh, something to think about as we step out of here. We're a little bit over on time, but uh, that's okay because there was a lot to discuss today. Gentlemen, thank you for your time, and uh, I think I'm going to go go ahead and hit the music now. Thanks, Wes. Bye, Wes. Hey, Pat said bye. Oh, I reverse. I take it back. He can't no now. Bye. He can't now. Edit you know, it out, please. You know why he can't? Because I'm going to mute him real quick, so he can't. Let's see. Can I? Yep, I did it. Guys, thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate it. We do. We appreciate it. We always do. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I think I accidentally muted myself too, but you know what? What are you going to do, guys? What are you going to do? You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Worker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govols 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols 24-7. Get tons of Vols news there. Or you can go directly to the source that the delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, Smoky Mountain style. Go get that at GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols stuff, where Maria Cornelius does a great job covering all things Lady Vols for us. Or you can also go there and go to the forums. You can go to uh, the checkerboard, go to the summit, 24-7 coverage of Tennessee, 24-7 discussion of Tennessee with Tennessee fans all around this great, big, beautiful world of ours. Even in tough times, we are there together. And as long as it's not political or religious, we are talking about it on the checkerboard and the summit. Right now, you can go for 30% off of an annual subscription, which is still less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And if you're already a full-paying member, you can get right now access to Paramount Plus for free. The Rolls Royce package, ad-free. And if you don't know everything that's on Paramount Plus, you need to go check it out. It is a billion things. Every show CBS has ever made commercial free, new movies every single month in and out of there. You get live sports uh, from, you know, Tennessee sports, Tennessee football, basketball, SEC sports. Uh, You get college basketball, NCAA tournament, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, also, tons of exclusive podcast stuff, and you get stuff from the catalogs of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian. You get all that for the low, low price of nothing if you're a full-paying member to Go Vols 24-7. Guys, until then, you should hear from us again. Remember, earlier this week, we're going to talk to you on Wednesday, not Thursday. So the latest you'll hear from us is Wednesday because we want to have a little bit more time for you all to hear that. Uh, SEC basketball tournament preview before it actually starts for Tennessee on Friday. So we will talk about that in a couple of days. Uh, Until then, guys, please, please wear your freaking masks. Please, please wash your freaking hands. Please, please sign up for that vaccine. Please socially distance. Please get the vaccine. Let's get through this, guys. We are so close. We are so much closer to being in just decent shape here. We can get through this together. We've gotten through it together. But uh, let's not get let's not get loose at the finish line here. Let's finish strong. Let's get through this so we can get back to a sports world and more importantly, a world as we know it. That's my PSA. See you. Be good. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm 
citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.